everybody. How are you? Merry Christmas? Yes, it's still the season. How many of you were here last week for Christmas Eve service? Please raise your hands. Thank you very much. How many of you, that was your first time ever here at Parkview? Anybody? Got a few people. Awesome. Very good. Very good. Well, I, wanted, I want to address kind of a, well, a little a rumor that's been going around. Um, we showed a video at the beginning of the service about an emergency meeting that had to be done. And uh, some people have asked me, you weren't in the video. And usually you get in on those kind of things. So, you know, are you hanging up your spurs? Or are you not going to be a part of the videos anymore? I just want to make sure that you know that, yes, I was in the video. I just wanted to show you where I was in the video. Go ahead and put that up. Yes. <laughs> I was the guy in the yellow suit and the wig. So, um, yeah, the dance moves were really, really bad. I showed that video to my wife, and she goes, you realize this is your job. <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah. I, did. I never thought when I was preparing to be a pastor that I'd have to learn the Gangnam Style dance. Uh, and in all honesty, I never really thought that I would be a pastor. There was a point in time in my life when I was enrolled in college to go into a pre-pharmacy program. And that was in 95. And at that point in time, God kind of nudged me, spoke to me. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was, it was more of an elbow uh, to the side and said, look, this is, this is what you should really be doing. You you should be a pastor. And I'm really glad I made that decision. I'm really glad I went in that direction. But another side to that is the fact that I'm horrible at math and science. <laughs> so if you ever need confirmation that God loves you, the fact that I'm up here preaching and not writing your prescriptions is confirmation of that. God was saving people by getting me out of that. 2013 is coming, and maybe it's coming for you and it's coming with a lot of decisions that need to be made. I had that decision to make in my life at one point, and maybe there are some that are confronting you. You've got some big ones coming up. A decision sometimes can be terrifying because you make a decision and then it leads you down a path, and that path has certain consequences. I just wanted to show you a very brief way of understanding that, so I want to show you my friend who had a bit of a problem, and you can see where these decisions lead to consequences. Take a look. When you have cable and can't find something good to watch, you get depressed. When you get depressed, you attend seminars. When you attend seminars, you feel like a winner. When you feel like a winner, you go to Vegas. When you go to Vegas, you lose everything. And when you lose everything, you sell your hair to a wig shop. Don't sell your hair to a wig shop. Decisions have consequences. And maybe facing this coming year, you're facing some paths that are opening up to you and you need to make a decision. A lot of things in life are about decisions because a lot of things you can't have it both ways. It's either or. You cannot be a vegetarian steak lover. It just doesn't work that way. You can't be a pacifist boxer and win or live or anything like that. You can't have it both ways. You can't be human and not like Bruce Springsteen. He's the boss. Come on. Or maybe that's, maybe that's just me. So maybe the best question we can ask ourselves going on to 2013 and on the midst of all these paths and these decisions that are in front of us is this. Which way will we walk in our lives? Which path will we travel? Which decision will we make that will change everything, that will lead us to the place that God has in front of us? Now, God's promise to people and to his people, and as we enter into this part of the story, I want to remind us of something that's been going on throughout the whole puzzle that we've been putting together. God has always been moving people toward one kingdom, 
one place of being together with him. He says this in Exodus 19. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possessions. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God says, if you want to be mine, walk this way. Walk this way. Kind of like an usher. You know how that feels? Sir, right this way. God says, if you want to be my people, right this way. Follow my commandments, obey my covenant, and walk this way. Now our story today is about two people, really. There's a lot of other guys involved, but I want to focus on two of them. One of them is Solomon's son, and his name is Rehoboam. The other one is a young upstart from a different family, not of the royal line, and his name is Jeroboam. Now, funny enough, even though photography wasn't invented at the time, we do have a picture of Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Let's go ahead and put that up. Um, yeah. Dumb and Dumber fits these two men very, very well. Now, we may have to cut them some slack, and you're going to see why that is here in a moment. But Jeroboam and Rehoboam are part of this story. So we want to talk first about the man Jeroboam. And this is what Scripture says about him. The man Jeroboam was very able. And when Solomon, who was king, saw that the young man was industrious, he gave him charge over all the forced labor of the house of Joseph. Two things going on. Solomon looks at this young man and sees that he is an up-and-comer. He's got skills. He's got abilities. I want to use him. The other thing that's going on is Solomon has made slaves out of his own people. Now, I don't know where you come from. Where I come from, that just ain't right. Solomon has taken the people God has given to him and has made them into slaves. And so as Jeroboam hears and is put in this position, one day he's walking and a prophet comes to him, a man named Ahijah. And Ahijah says to him, he said to Jeroboam, Take for, he tears his garment apart. This prophet tears his garment, his, his shirt, and he tears it into 12 pieces. And he tells uh, Jeroboam, Take for yourself 10 pieces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I am about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon and will give you 10 tribes, because they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashereth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of Moab, and Milcom, the god of the Ammonites, and they have not walked in my ways. Now, we talked about this a little bit before Christmas, but these three gods are diabolical. Ashtoreth is the goddess of fertility, and the way you worshiped with her was by sleeping with prostitutes. Chemosh was a god who demanded human sacrifices in order to keep him happy. And Milcom, his name is also Molech. And Molech demanded child sacrifices to keep him happy. These were some bad dudes that Solomon had gotten his family, this kingdom, affiliated with. And he'd gone directly against all that God had said. God said, walk this way. In Leviticus 18, 21, he says, do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Molech. He specifically names the God, and yet Solomon says, you say that way, I'm going to go this way. So the prophet says, Jeroboam, I am taking, God is taking the kingdom from him and is tearing it into pieces. Now Solomon tried to take God's people and worship gods that were not God. And that's what causes the problem. This is called duplicity. Duplicity is where you try to be one thing and another that are contradictory at the same time. It just doesn't work that way. It destroys everything. It's like trying to walk in two different directions at the same time. One foot that way, one foot the other. You end up doing a spiritual split. And frankly, unless you can do a split, something is going to give. And it's going to hurt. This is what Solomon is trying to do. 
God says, walk this way. And Solomon says, I think I'm going that way. Well, you can't have both. You can't have both. Jesus even said it this way. He says, no man can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Now, granted, this was about money, but the principle is still the same. You cannot walk in two different directions at the same time. So when God says, right this way, we have to be serious about that. So what happens? We go back to Jeroboam and God adds a little note for him to make sure that he gets it. He says, but I will not take the whole kingdom out of Solomon's hand. I have made him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of David, my servant, whom I chose and who obeyed my commands and decrees. I said, walk this way. And David said, I'll walk this way. I will give one tribe to his son so that David, my servant, may always have a lamp before him in Jerusalem, the city where I chose to put my name. And Jeroboam, if you do whatever I command you and walk in obedience to me and do what is right in my eyes by obeying my decrees and commands as David my servant did, I will be with you. I will build you a dynasty as enduring as the one I built for David and I will give Israel to you. I will humble David's descendants before you, but not forever. God says to Jeroboam, you don't deserve this. You're not in the line. You're not one of the kids of the king. You don't deserve to be king, but I'll give it to you if you walk this way. Just walk this way. Right this way, sir. If you walk this way, I will make you into a bigger king than anyone has ever been. You'll find life that you couldn't possibly imagine. So decision time comes for Jeroboam. Which way will you walk? You've seen Solomon. You've heard from me. What's your decision? Now, in the meantime, something crazy happens because when people are living in duplicity, they do crazy things. Solomon comes along and tried, it says, Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam. But Jeroboam fled to Egypt to Shishak, great name by the way, the king, and stayed there until Solomon's death. Duplicity makes you crazy. It makes you willing to steal, to kill, to destroy to keep what you have going, to keep this two-directional living going. This is a true sign that the cheese has slid off of Solomon's cracker. He's officially done when he tries to kill Jeroboam, but Jeroboam runs off into hiding. Now, at this point, character number two enters the scene, Rehoboam, the oldest son of Solomon. And the text tells us that Jeroboam comes as Rehoboam is taken to a city called Shechem where they take him to make him into the king. And Jeroboam comes out of hiding because Solomon has died now. And when they announce his kingship, Rehoboam has a question for Jeroboam. Jeroboam has a question for Rehoboam. I'm glad they made him rhyme. That makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? Now the issue we need to remember here is that Jeroboam was made the ruler and the, the guardian of all the slaves under Solomon. So he knows what the slavery in Israel looks like. And so when Rehoboam is made king, Jeroboam has a question. He says, listen... How about that slavery thing? So Jeroboam and the people cry out and they say this, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us and we will serve you. The way of life that Solomon had brought about was a way of slavery, a yoke of slavery. So what would you do, Rehoboam? What will you do? Will you lighten the slavery? Will you take this burden off of your people? What direction would he walk? What decision would he make? 
And so he does something that is very, very wise. He consults with the wise men who had served his father. And this is what they say. They replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. This is just good wisdom. Serving others is always a way that leads to life. And this is what God was asking of these people. This is what God was asking of his kings. When he said, how should you lead the people? He says, right this way. Right this way, sir. Walk this way into serving them. And they will serve you forever. The problem is, Rehoboam does something stupid. It seems to fit because he's the son of the wisest man that has ever lived, that he would do something dumb. So instead of listening to the old guys who worked, now nothing wrong with old people, but the older men who had worked with Solomon, he goes and finds all of his high school buddies, his drinking buddies, his fantasy football buddies. Now I'm sure your fantasy football buddies are really, really wise, but his were not. And he goes and he finds them and he says, what do you think I should do about this? And this is what they say. Thus you shall speak to this people who said to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus you shall say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. That is the worst smack talk I have ever heard. (laughs) God says, right this way, serve these people. His drinking buddies say, Dude, Tell them how much better it's going to be under your father than it will be under you. And so he takes the advice of his buddies and he says, And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. Now, other than just being a cool name for a band, scorpions in this time referred to a whip that was built in with metal studs. Rehoboam is not kidding around. You think slavery was bad before, brother. You ain't seen nothing yet. So when God says, walk this way, Rehoboam says, nah, I think I'll go this way. And rebellion begins. They say, we're not living under you as our king. We're not doing this anymore. We're going with Jeroboam. And so ten tribes go with Jeroboam and one goes with Rehoboam, the tribe of Judah. God says, walk this way. He says, nope. And the kingdom is torn in two. This thing that God has always wanted to keep together is now ripped in half. Now what about Jeroboam? He takes these ten tribes and he goes to where he's supposed to go. What happens with him? What about God's promise to him? Well, things go well with Jeroboam for a little while. But remember, this is dumb and dumber we're talking about. And Jeroboam, it says in the text, Jeroboam thought to himself, the kingdom will now likely revert to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, they will again give their allegiance to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah. They will kill me and return to King Rehoboam. It's basically saying they will go back to God and toss me aside. So even though, remember, God has promised him, I will give you a dynasty, I will give you a kingdom, if you just walk right this way, walk, walk this way, right this way, sir. You go this way, I will give you everything you could possibly imagine. If you go this way, I can't promise you what's going to happen over there. And he gets paranoid. He gets protective, he gets pessimistic, he gets territorial, and then he gets destructive. But this is how he does it. Rather than slavery, rather than any of that, this is what he does. 
And honestly, it's something that happens to us all the time. We may want to look at him and go, what an idiot. God promised him everything in the world. But a lot of times we fall in the same spot. We have this moment where we think we know the direction we need to go. We think we know what we need to do is right. And we're really off base. Proverbs says it this way, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. It looks right, but once we do it, we see how ridiculous it really was. Have you ever had that experience? Sounded like a good idea at the time. Oh, was I wrong. And it's mostly a part of that you can't have it both ways. Honestly, there are some of these decisions I see and I can't imagine what the person was thinking. Like this guy. I can't imagine what this person was thinking. (laughs) You cannot have a minivan and a monster truck. It just doesn't work that way. Or what these people were thinking. Pizza Hut cologne? Come on! I used to work there. My wife would like spray me off with a pressure washer just to get that smell off of me. Now we want to bottle it and sell it. Who finds that attractive? These just are not good ideas. They seem like it at the time, but they're really bad decisions. And this is why duplicity is so dangerous. Because a lot of times we really want peace in our life. We really want to see the right things happen in our life. But we forget how often we are guilty of disturbing our own peace. We want peace. We want life. We don't realize how much of a part we play, our decisions play, into disrupting our own peace. So after seeking some advice on this, Jeroboam, who's now freaked out and paranoid about them leaving him and him losing his kingdom, decides the only thing I can do is keep them here. So how do I keep them here? Well, I turn them away from God. And so he builds two golden cows. Because that's what you were thinking of doing at that moment. He builds two golden cows. And he says to the people, it's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. It's way too long of a trip. Don't trouble yourself. Here are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Now these people know two cows did not bring them out of Egypt. Moses did. We all read that in chapter 2, right? Somehow gone. Just seems like a good idea. Hey, I don't have to go so far to go worship in the temple. These two cows are right here. This is old school, historically bummered out stuff. In Exodus, in chapter 2, they made one golden calf. And Jeroboam even used the same language. Back in Exodus, it says, they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. He says the same thing. These are your gods right here who brought you up out of Egypt. And he builds two because he's an overachiever. He's that guy in school that asked for extra homework. You remember this guy? Are you that person? We can talk after. We got some help for you. It's like he's franchising idol worship. Two golden cows, two locations. And he not only does that, he's creating alternate gods to protect his own stuff. And that happens to us sometimes. But it's bigger than that even. This is what he also does. So he instituted the festival for the Israelites and he went up to the altar to make offerings. He doesn't just build two cows, he builds a whole different religion. So at the beginning when God said, walk this way, Right this way. He goes, now we're going this way and we're going this way hard. I'm going to build my own thing over here and protect my own thing over here. And it doesn't last very long. He gets confronted by a prophet named Josiah or by a man of God who who tells him this. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here and human bones will be burned on you. It's a shuddering thing to think. But isn't it funny? The one thing that he tried to prevent, all the people going back to King 
Rehoboam, all the people going back to David's town, all the people moving back to that other place. The thing he was trying so hard not to do is the thing that God is now going to do. The one thing he wanted to keep safe to prevent is now actually going to happen. Why? Because God said, walk this way. Just this way. And he said, now I'm going this way. I think I'll go over here. Now it happens to us all the time. Sometimes God says to us, walk this way, because he knows what that way really looks like. And we don't. Jeroboam had no idea what that way looked like, but now he's about to find out. So when God says, walk this way, and he says, I'm going this way, it just enhances the darkness. Things go south from there. The text says there was continual warfare between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. For the rest of the Old Testament, now there would be two kingdoms where there should be one. Israel with its capital in Samaria and Jerusalem and Judah. And they would constantly be at battle with each other. And they would constantly fall apart over and over and over again. Why? Because God said, walk this way. And Rehoboam and Jeroboam said, no, I think I'm going this way. I think I'm going this way. So here's the reality from this story. The reality is that walking in a way where we focus on our kingdom, which is what Rehoboam and Jeroboam were doing, their own thing, protecting their stuff, when we walk that way, it ends up destroying everything we have completely. So as we listen to this story, you and I have a fundamental question we really need to answer, and that is this. How are we supposed to know when God is saying, walk this way? Right this way. How are we supposed to know that? Because for these guys, it seemed pretty clear. There was an audible voice from God. Prophets came to them, tore their clothes apart, gave them these things. But for us, it's, it's, it's not so easy, is it? Do we really hear from God like that anymore? When we get into those moments where we need to make that decision, do we, do we hear a, walk this way, right this way? The good ushers use flashlights, right this way. We long for that usher from God, that flashlight from God that shows us where we're supposed to go. And if you're looking at this past year and you're thinking about it, there are probably some times that you could have said, I wish somebody had shown up and said, right this way. Just, just this way. And everything will be fine. How do we know what the right way is? We have to be honest with ourselves. There are times that we look at our life and we try to go both ways. I want my marriage to get better, but I want her to change. There's nobody else in, that, in this room like that, but let's say hypothetically. I want a healthy marriage, but I want her to change. I want to release my bitterness, but not give that person the benefit of being forgiven. I want to stop being angry. Sometimes. Other times I'd like to keep it because sometimes it's helpful. Makes me feel good. I can't stand my life right now, but I want to th figure things out on my own. What's happening there is we are stuck at that crossroads, at that moment of decision. And we long desperately to hear, right this way. Just this way. Because if not, we know what that way looks like. So how do we find our way to walk out of duplicity and into the way God made us to walk? Well, by now you're probably wondering what this thing is. Either that or you just figured I have another prop and we'll get on with it later. This is a yoke. This is something they used, and if you're not from agricultural 
places. This is something that they used at the time when horses were used for farming. It used to, to link two horses together or two animals together so that they plow in a straight line, so that they go to the same place, and so that they could harness the strength of two animals into one. And it kept them bound. So they both had to go the same way. If one of the horses decided to go this way, well, it just wasn't happening. They were tethered together. They were yoked together. So in Jesus' ministry, we run across this very interesting statement that he makes to the people he's teaching. He says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my upon you. And, I, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my is easy, and my burden is light. Throughout the story, the yoke was there. Throughout the story of Jeroboam and Rehoboam, this was present. Rehoboam put the people through the yoke of slavery, and when God said, right this way, he goes, no, I'm going this way. Jeroboam put the people under the yoke of worshiping other gods other than the true God to protect his own kingdom. He says, I will walk this way. Yoke is also a word that's used in Jesus' day by rabbis to talk about the way of teaching, the way that they teach people how to follow God. You take on the yoke of a rabbi. So what does Jesus mean here? What Jesus means is, come and yoke yourself to me And you'll always know right this way. Just this way. You'll want to go this way, but when you yoke yourself to me, we'll go this way. Right this way. Just this way, sir. And I think I've heard that phrase before. God says it to Jeroboam at the beginning. He says, if you do whatever I command you and walk in, my, in obedience to me, walk this way, right this way. And the reality is, even if you don't choose that, we all walk under a certain yoke. Whether it's our own yoke and the yokes we create for ourselves are yokes of slavery, whereas Jesus' yoke is a yoke of freedom. Rest for your souls. Think about that. Rest. I like that. I don't have a yoke that does that. A light burden. We've all got this weight that we carry. Boy, I could really use, my yoke weighs a ton. I could really use a lighter one. And so what's going on in this process of decision is we're learning what Anne Lamott says, which is we learn through pain that some things we thought were castles turn out to be prisons. And we desperately want out, but even though we built them, we can't find the door. When we go this way, we find ourselves in places of pain. But when we go this way, we find rest for our souls. Do you want rest for your souls? Because honestly, this path is not easy. This way of being yoked to Jesus is not an easy one. But it takes us out of duplicity. It simplifies things. It makes our insides match our outsides. We go in one direction. And no, not the boy band. I'm sure they have nothing to do with this. We go in one direction instead of multiple directions. And Jesus says, right this way, just this way, 
And you will find rest and life for your souls. Jesus says, if you're heavy laden, come and yoke yourself to him. Because here's the reality. The decision to be yoked with Jesus brings our lives back together under God's kingdom. It ends this whole trying to walk in two directions at once and brings us into one place and one direction. And it unifies our life with him so that we know what it is that we're supposed to do. 2013 will bring New Year's resolutions. I I don't doubt that. Even though we always flake out on them, Stats say that 90% of New Year's resolutions are broken within the first month. Not to discourage you, but I just say, don't do that. But why is that? Well, the reality is, the reason why is because 2013 is going to turn out the same as 2012 did if we're still just yoked to ourselves. Because it's us that got us there. All the things from last year we'd like to leave behind, you know what the common denominator is? Us. So maybe instead of thinking about resolutions, maybe we need another goal rather than just being slimmer or happier or fitter or wiser or less in debt. Maybe we need a better goal. Maybe we need to hear Jesus so calmly and quietly say, right this way, just, just this way. And here's how he says it. He says, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. We use that language all the time of kingdom. What does that even mean? Here's a very simple way to understand the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is God getting what he wants. That's all it is. The kingdom of God is a place where God is constantly getting what he wants. And God knew his people would need some help in this direction. And that's why he gave them early on some commands like Deuteronomy. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Here's what he's saying. Channel everything you have into me. Let everything else fall into place. Jeroboam didn't do that. Rehoboam didn't do that. And I've got to tell you, in times in my life in this past year, I didn't do that. God said, right this way. And I said, no, I, think, I, I, I like this way. It's pretty. But I ended up finding out I should have, but I I went this way. So how do we handle this? The reality is it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart as your pastor that I know there are people even in this room who are not experiencing the fullness of what it means to live this life for Jesus. There are people in this room who've had great religious experiences here. They felt welcomed. They felt, they felt accepted for the first time. They felt like they can actually talk to God for the first time. But 90% of the really good stuff that comes with being with Jesus is when he says, right this way, that we follow along. It's not just about having a new gig on the weekends. It's about following Jesus. Because Rehoboam and Jeroboam were lost because they didn't step when God said, right this way, sir. Right this way. So in 2013, I think for us, it's time that we had a bit of a brain shift. It's time that we had a bit of a brain shift because, okay, so if it's not just trying to be better, what do I need to do? We need to change our minds. And here's how Jesus presents it. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now most of us here, I can't hear that without hearing like southern gospel preachers who add like nine syllables to the word repent. (laughs) And most of the time we think of repenting as like banging your head on the wall and weeping and tearing your clothes and sorrow and all this stuff. That's not what the word means. Do you know what the word means? The word means to turn your head in a different direction. It simply means 
to be looking this way than to look that way. It means that when Jesus says, right this way, the kingdom of heaven is right this way, we go, cool. And the only way that that happens is if our brains get changed around. We've got to realize that repent is not a warning. Repent is an invitation. Repent is not a warning that we better get ourselves right or God is going to smite us. Repent is an invitation to be a part of something bigger and bolder and more beautiful than we could possibly imagine. Jesus' life, we've got to get a hold of this. Jesus' life is a living example of what things look like when God gets his way. What does it look like to go over here? What does it look like to be yoked with him? What does it look like for God's kingdom to happen and God to get what he wants? You know what it looks like? It looks like Jesus. The way he lived his life. Jesus slept through the storms of life. He danced at the parties of life. He cried with hope at the pain of life. He ate great meals at the table of life. He relaxed in the pressures of life. He was faithful through the questions of life. Would you like to have that in 2013? Would you like to be able to sleep through a storm? One that you know is coming. The Doppler radar of your soul can see it. Would you like to have peace when all the rest of the world is on fire? You can have it. Because Jesus says, right this way, just this way, come and follow me. Learn how to be like me. When it seems like life is torn to shreds, when it seems like our kingdom has been completely divided and there is no hope in the world, Jesus says, I've made everything right. Come and hook yourself to me. Your yoke doesn't make sense. Maybe you've been trying to do this in your marriage. Maybe you've been trying to do this in the addictions you're wrestling with. You've been trying to just fight it off. Friend, just give up on the fight. Stop trying to run harder in the other direction and just listen to Jesus saying, right this way. Just this way. Let me show you what real life is supposed to look like. This year, my daughter started taking ballet lessons. And I remember the first time she ever put on that, that outfit. And I'm sorry, I'm sure your kids are cute, but your kid's not as cute as mine. Check this out. <laughs> so come on. And I remember seeing her with her hair all pulled back and the little shoes on. And, you know, I was a dude. I never got to do that. I, I, so, so it was this magical moment. And I saw her with that on for the first time. And, and it's something in my brain said, she's going to be really good at this. Because she looked like a ballerina. She looked like she had the skill and the gift and the ability and the grace to do this. And so we go to the first lesson. And I'd like to say that it was Swan Lake, but I also know who, who her parents are. <laughs> and I know that we're not the most graceful of people. And it was rough. Because she was trying to adjust to a new place and new people and everything. But there was a moment when the teacher sort of snapped everybody to attention and she said, Watch me. Watch me. Let me show you how to be graceful. And when those little girls snapped their eyes to her, this magical transformation took place. They were like one-eighteenth less 
awkward. (laughs) But when they put their eyes on her, when they watched her, when they followed her, things began to fall into place. They began to learn the steps. They began to feel the gracefulness of each movement. She said, right this way, just this way. Many of us have the outfit. We look the part. But yet when we get on the dance floor of life and we're tested to be graceful, tested to be forgiving, tested to be peaceful in times of storm, we are awkward. And in that moment, Jesus, our teacher, says, right this way, follow me. Yoke yourself to me. Let me show you how to be graceful. Let me show you how to be beautiful in everything that you do. I'm going to challenge you Make 2013 the year that you pick up the yoke and say, I've been running that direction for a long, long time. The life of Jesus looks like the life I'd like to have. So I'm going that way. Right that way. We have opportunities for you to learn how to do that. We have a class called After We Believe where we talk about that idea. How do I follow Jesus on a daily basis? Maybe you're restrained by something else. Maybe it's being in debt. We have Financial Peace University that we run to help people get healthy so they can figure out how to begin to follow God with everything that they have. My challenge to you is, will you walk this way? Not in an Aerosmith kind of way, but will you walk this way with Him? We're going to sing a song called Your Love Never Fails. And I really want you during this time of worship to engage your brains in thinking, is it time for me to finally be yoked to someone other than myself? I'm tired of this destruction. I'm tired of being torn apart. To you, Jesus says, write this way. Let's pray together. Father, as we sing, as we lift our voices to you, as we think about what you have for us, I pray now that you will open our eyes to the places where we need to follow you, where we need to be closer to you, where we need to be graceful, where we are not graceful. And teach us how to walk your way. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.